You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast, where we explore the lives and careers of the region's most influential business leaders. Jan Weissmiller is the owner and proprietor of perhaps Iowa City's most important retail establishment, Prairie Lights Bookstore. She graduated from the University of Iowa with a double BA in history and English, and later got her MFA in poetry. Now, she finds herself in competition against the likes of Jeff Bezos and Amazon. It's your classic David and Goliath story, where today, remarkably, the locals are winning. We talked about the complexities around owning a small business, the future of Main Street retail, and why her shop is such a critical part of the Corridor's culture. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Well, Jan, everybody certainly knows you uh, around here in Iowa City, and of course, everyone knows of uh, the iconic uh, store that you own, Prairie Lights. Um, but what people might not know is that uh, independent bookstores across the United States are thriving right now. Uh, talk a bit about um, Prairie Lights today and, and your story uh, about how you got here. You guys know, I think, that I have a partner that was in the workshop with me named Jane Mead, and she's mm-hmm. she's in California, but she's very you know, we're really good friends and she's really great, you know, in terms of we have the same values. And so I, I think we've been, we've worked together really good well. Good team. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And um, as you said, I got an MFA here in the mid 80s in poetry. And I also got a BA here in um, his, history and English, a double major in history and English. And okay. But I, in the last year of my BA, I had taken classes in, you know, creative writing and I decided that that's the way I was going to go and um, and so I was working for Jim who had Prairie Lights was new fairly new the founder of, of yeah, Prairie the founder Lights, of yep. Prairie Lights and I was his first full-time employee when I was you know 22 okay and what year was this in 79 1979 okay then I didn't start the workshop until like 82 and in the meantime I met my husband in the bookstore and he's uh, he just actually just retired from in Prairie Lights you met in Prairie Lights okay yeah. wow and um, he had he was young and had just um, gotten a job at the uh, at the university teaching in the art department. He's a painter, mm-hmm. and so I knew when I got my after I got my MFA and we were married that I was probably not leaving Iowa City. So I just went back to work at Prairie Lights, okay. and those were the years that Prairie Lights really grew a lot. It moved from its initial location on Lynn Street. It's where it was where Baroncini's was right originally, and it was the same size as Baroncini's. So small. Small. How big yeah. is the current footprint of Prairie Lights? Um, 11,000 square feet. And what was it when it started back in the late um, 70s? I, th- I think that it was probably about 1,000 square feet. Okay. And then then in 1980, we knocked out a wall and moved to the corner. So it was like twice the size sure. before we left Lynn Street. And then in 83, there was a fire. There was a bike store um, in the original building where Prairie Lights is now located there was an original like 1880s building that burned and so when that building was being rebuilt Jim came over there and uh, and until 1990 only had the first floor Mm -hmm. and then in 1990 we extended it to the upstairs and in 1993 added the cafe and at the same time we added the cafe we redid the basement for the kids books 
And so, and that, and that by the mid '90s, you were sort of set in the current footprint, you right? Know, the, the lower level right. of and listeners that, that haven't been there, it's yeah. this amazing kind of. The, the, you got the cafe on the third floor, or the second floor, and you got the lower level of children's right children's books, and of course the main level and everything else is scattered throughout yeah. a bunch of games. Yeah. And we started the reading series as it as it is now, sort of as it is now in 1990, and that was when publishers started touring. Before that, they didn't tour writers, and, the, and mm-hmm. they they pay everything. We don't pay to get the writers here. They they show up at at your doorstep, right? They, the, yeah. the publicists send us emails in the season before the books are published saying we want to send so-and-so to your store, and then we arrange the reading, and then all the travel is paid for by the publisher. Okay. And so that kind of book tour started in the 90s. And Jim talked to Dennis Reese at WSUI, and, and they were broadcast for 18 years live over public radio. And then in 2008, the radio station stopped basically doing any local programming. I think Talk of Iowa is the only local program now. And so we just started streaming them live over the internet and calling them live from Prairie Lights. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, yeah. and so really, you were talking about the... The disruption. So the we, disruption, you've talked about a lot yeah. of great growths. So you went from right. the original store, 1,000 square feet. You've kind of bounced, moved right. a couple blocks over into 11,000 square feet and right. built that entire space out. Get, that gets us into the you know the amazing partnership with public radio and right. live radio broadcasts and reading. So things are rocking and rolling. We're here into the early mid '90s, and then there's there's some some disruptors and then, and then out there. There's disruption in other places because of uh, Barnes and Noble and Borders, but okay. that that didn't really happen in Iowa City. And the I think the Barnes and Noble here opened in '98 when the Coral Ridge Mall, Mall went yep. in. But the Coral Ridge Mall did disrupt our business because it, it, significantly, it, or? yeah. Because it took so much other business away from the downtown, and people stopped shopping downtown. Right. And um, and we never thought that it was the Barnes and Noble. And if was that a five percent disruption or fifty percent? You know, or how, that how was big? Bef- that was before I owned if you were the to store. Guess. But if I were to guess, I would say actually I would say it was probably twenty. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It, I think it was really significant. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then Amazon really didn't start getting going until right about that time. But by the early 2000s, Amazon was a force. And was the advent of your big box discounters like Borders and Barnes & Noble or Amazon, which one was a bigger disruptor? Oh, Amazon, for by sure. By far. Okay. Well, that's because we didn't have a significant Barnes & Noble or Borders here. Right around the corner. We, yeah. we, were, we were told that Borders was seriously looking at the, um, at the old Capitol Mall, but that the structure wasn't strong enough to support books on the second store, on oh, the second floor, and so good. they couldn't do thank it. The, yeah. Thank the architect yeah, and yeah, engineer for yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so the, uh, just to, to dig a little bit more on the Amazon, it, Walk us through what that looked like. So, you, you know, you, you hear about it. When do you start getting the inkling from customers that they're, they're, sh- they're getting their books elsewhere instead of coming into the, to the bookstore? I mean, do you, how, you, there's probably conversation nationally about it, the, the trade organization. I mean, how did, it, how did that sort of uh, come about? Well, you know, I, I don't think people generally had the Internet until 2000, around mm-hmm. 2000. And um, and so, just, which is just bizarre to which is to think bizarre about. to think about. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. World and so, and so, but when everybody had a home computer and could easily go on there and start ordering, I would say that it probably wasn't until two thousand three, two thousand four that it started just being, you know, gut wrenching. You know, everybody right. talked about it. They, they, you know, everything you hear. They walk in your store and they say, "Why is it twenty five dollars here when it's seventeen dollars on Amazon?" So there's a lot of that. The, there was the a lot pr- of that. the price checking. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you remember? Uh, particular season or you know a moment or a night or a day back when that was all kind of starting to come to a head where one of those kind of holy crap moments that as, as business owners people have when when you hit hit a rough spot or some adversity was there anything that really that you remember a, a dark a dark spot back when Amazon was really starting to get a foothold 
I remember at the trade shows how much how much space they had. You know, they would set up at the trade shows and they would be giant. Amazon. And, yeah, and I wasn't. You know, it, it, we we bought the store from Jim in two thousand seven, so I wasn't looking at the books until then. Okay. And so in the in the course of our transition, when we were deciding whether we would buy it, and when I was looking at the books, I then I saw what had happened. I mean, because I, I I looked back over ten previous years. And the sales starting. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Tick down. But I didn't. I, it, being in there, I'm not sure that I could feel it mm-hmm. in in the same way. Yeah, because Prairie Lights has always been pretty busy with walk-ins. Right, it's a hub of people. Yeah, 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 and yeah, reading and, yeah, yep. yeah. And so you know, you can imagine. Even now, I, I mean, now obviously I would notice it because I'm, I'm always looking at the books. But then I don't think I really, you know, I notice people talking about it. Right. And I never did it. You know, I never bought on Amazon, and so. Of course not. That way, yeah. <laughs> at least we wouldn't admit it today. We don't admit it. But um, so, I'm curious as someone that was an MFA and uh, you know you're an accomplished author yourself and grew up in you know in an education in the arts world. Uh, what talk a bit about your transition as a into business and as a as a business owner? And you worked at Prairie Lights, uh, you know, to the early '80s, late late '79, right. right? Until right. you got ownership in right. in 2007, 2008. Talk a bit about your growth and transformation as a as a business person and a business owner. Um, yeah, it's it's a, that's kind of a hard thing to to assess. You know, I, I think that I, I was always pretty good at math. My employees think I'm excellent at math, and I always say to them, I paid attention in fourth grade because <laughs> I really <laughs> I'm really fast with numbers, but I'm you know I I I, I wasn't a good calculus student, right. and um, <laughs> and so. Um, but but actually, when I took the GRE, I did as well in math as I did in English after getting a BA in English. So oh, you wow. know, so I have a, a you know uh, that is impressive. Yeah, yeah. So math was always a strong suit. I was, like thinking about numbers. Okay. I mean, it just interests me, and so I think it always did. It, I'm always marvelled by small business owners, the ones that I know. You have to be this sort of jack of all trades. If you you, you obviously know books, you and you, you you're a math, uh, you know, you're a proficient in math. But what about you know, you have the marketing, you got to manage people, you've got to. Uh, yeah, you know, all these different things that the, these small business owners all have to do. That's that's not an easy task. I think managing people has been um, fun. I mean, I would say that that not doing that, it's easier to do it than not do it for me. Okay. Because watching watching somebody else kind of mess it up, you know. <laughs> I mean, right. then the, and then, but I do have I have had an easy job though in, in terms of that because. Um, I still have a lot of people working there that work there for Jim. I mean, we have we have that long of retention and yeah, yeah. I mean, altogether now we have thirty four employees. I think, but that includes the cafe, the staff in the cafe. How many would you say that are there now have been there longer than five years? Twelve, I think. Twelve. And what do you credit that to? Um, That's all. I think that's rare in in small business. I think a number of things that one that it's always interesting. Mm Hmm. and interesting people, interesting new books. And, yeah, 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 yeah. There's never a day. Everybody who works in bookstores says it. It's very addictive, and and um, you know because you never know what's going to happen that day. You you don't know who's going to walk in. Like when right. when Obama walked in, that was you know of what course, obscure title they're yeah. going to ask for. Yeah, what obscure title they're going to ask for. What they're going to say. You know, and um, and so I think that's that's part of it. But also, we work really well together as a community. But what I was going to say in terms of managing people is that. My key people had their roles when I walked in, and Paul retired, and the bookkeeper that had been there as long as I retired, and the main children's book buyer retired. But other than that, you know, all the like sort of hands-on stuff that mm-hmm. I don't even have to think about because they know how to do it and they were trained. 
Right. It has made a huge difference. Fortunate to inherit, yeah. inherit yeah. their sort yeah. of uh, yeah, legacy knowledge of the, yeah. of the company. Yeah. But I did have to read about, you know, teamwork and um, delegation and all that kind of thing. And, um, and, and I think when I, I think that there was, you know, obviously there's, that's a little bit of a hard thing to, to let go of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but once I did it, it was great. Right. And, and Do you consider um, yourself to be a micromanager? Is it hard for you to delegate? tasks it was and now i think it's easier. easier you know it just gets easier right what would you consider your best strength as a business owner what do you what do you think you're best at that's it's that's really hard for me to say i was thinking about that before i came on and i and i, I think i'm pretty good at um uh you know in a, in a business like prairie lights people our customers are very identified with the store and so they can get very upset if something happens to them there, it's almost like in their family. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm really good at at handling them when stuff like that happens. Customer service, both. Yeah, right, yeah, the, yeah. When there's a, a negative or positive or whatever. I mean, we had, be. I don't know if you followed it, but um, we had, in right after Trump was inaugurated, we had a girl that, a, that was 21 that burned the flag mm. on the Ped Mall. And she was arrested. She's a Prairie Lights employee. Prairie Lights okay. employee. She was arrested not because it was illegal to burn the flag, which it is not, but because it was illegal to start a fire on the Ped Mall. Okay. And then when she was arrested and her name was in the paper, people could look her up right. and see about her and see her on her social media where so she your, worked your and stuff. Your business was thrown into that conversation. Nationally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and so after, at first I tried to ignore it, but it was not going away. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a letter and put it on Facebook about the, the history of the constant, the, you know, about freedom right. of speech, and but mm-hmm. my own feelings, you know, which was actually a very honest letter because it's not something that I would yeah. do or have done probably. And, th- and those could be Even tricky though, waters to, to navigate, right? Because yeah. you, you want to, you know, stand up for your employee, but then there's also exactly. the, the, you know, the, the national sort of um, right. rep- reputation of your business as yeah. well. You have to take yeah. that into consideration. Yeah. And, yeah. and it worked really well. We got 800 Somebody wrote, everybody should write a review of Prairie Lights, a positive review on on Facebook, and we got 800 positive reviews in like two days. Yeah. And and I really like, well, I mean, I get upset when those things happen, but but I work on it, and just recently we had another incident, you know, where someone overheard something in the bookstore about... (laughs) <laughs> anyway, it would okay. just and yeah. and um, and I wrote a letter to that person, and you okay. know, and and it's it's sort of where I guess I can use my creative yeah, writing skill. Right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Thoughtful and be able to put that down. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you were to go back uh, to the beginning of your career at Prairie Lights when you graduated here from the University of Iowa, and give yourself at that point in time any sort of advice, kind of knowing what you know now, what would that be? Well, you know, it's 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 hard to say because you, one is always of two minds. Like there are moments when I'm at home and I think, why did I ever do this? <laughs> and then I would advise my younger self, don't do it. Right. But there are other times, many times like now or, you know, or, or always, almost always when I'm there, that it's just great. But I am always trying to think of, of you know, what the next thing should be to to strengthen the store. Sure. And, yeah. Strategically yeah. to keep yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So... We kind of left off on the on the timeline we were going through there, um, you know, when Amazon was kind of getting a foothold in the you know early to early to mid two thousands, yeah, right? When that's it was what kind I would of say. Really yeah, mm-hmm. into the Prairie Lights mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. So you think of it from that standpoint until today is this called a resurgence or whatever you whatever you might like. But was there a turning point there when you're you know things were dark and there's a lot of adversity to when you started thinking again like, hey, this is a 
a business that can, you know, perhaps stand this test. Yeah. Well, that's when Jim wanted to sell it. And he, um, you know. He said, you figure it out. Yeah. He yeah. said, you figure <laughs> it out. Amazon's coming in. You, yeah. You, yeah. You. And so, um, and so, of course, you know, once I decided to do it, Jane and I, we were, we were excited. And we, and the first thing we did was take over the cafe because the cafe had been a Java house. It was actually the first Java house. It was Tara's first. Really? Huh. Mm-hmm. And so when we took it over, um, obviously that was an income stream and it has continued to be and that was definitely a very good thing mm-hmm. and um, but then the e-readers I think the e-readers really I think the first Kindle was sold in 2010 okay and 2011 2012 the predictions were dire you know within five years print books are going to be reduced by half or more and you know right and, and these um, were just prognostications they weren't necessarily borne out in any real data or sales yeah well it, it, a little i bit. mean it was, you started to see a little bit of that trend oh yeah because yeah. as soon as it was possible everybody wanted to try it it was a new thing it was a right. new thing and 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 there was no reason to believe that it wouldn't that it wouldn't progress mm-hmm. but people got really tired of it pretty fast and so that was just luck i mean we tried to i mean the independent booksellers association put out um an e-reader that you could buy through an independent bookstore, and then whenever you downloaded a book, we got some yeah. like, minimal amount. Right. But Kindle is dedicated to Amazon, so you couldn't use a Kindle. And mm-hmm. and Amazon, I think, also has has a patent on one-click shopping, so you can't ever be as fast as Amazon. Right. And so um, so that didn't compete very well. Mm-hmm. And um, but then we started seeing the uptick as soon as 2014. Okay. What do you Our, attribute that to, do you think? That, well, there was a lot of press about supporting independent bookstores. So that kind of localism. And that, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, um, and, and I've always walked a, you know, fine line with that. I don't, I don't chastise people for, for buying sure. online. And although I do have a really funny story. I had this girl one time call me up and she was a graduate student working with first first-generation college students. And she said, can I bring them over for a book club in your cafe, and can you guys give us coffee and cookies? And I said, sure, what book would you like us to order, and what night would you like me to reserve your table, and how many of you are going to be? And she said, oh, we bought the books on Amazon. <laughs> so I said, I said, oh, well, so let me yeah. get this straight. You, you bought the books on Amazon, and you want to bring them over to Prairie Lights, and you want us to reserve space in our cafe and give you coffee and cookies. And she said, yeah. Those damn millennials. That's a, that's a and I said, <laughs> I said, so... Um, I'm just curious why you chose Prairie Lights. She said, it's such a cool space. And I said, oh, how do you think it supports itself? Right. Yeah, and she, didn't, on, and she right? didn't know. Yeah. And, so, and so I said, well, you know, why don't you go back to the, your program director and, and tell her that, you know, you bought these books on Amazon and asked us for free coffee and cookies and, right. and, uh, and see what she thinks. Yeah. And the girl called me back and she was like, oh, I am so sorry. Right. Yeah. And after this, we'll always buy the books there and so mm-hmm. forth and so forth. But, but generally, I, I'm pretty... Just, you just have to let people do what they're going to do. I mean, you can't. A sure. lot there. I mean, there's a lot of discussion among the industry about how much you try to educate your customers about, you know, shopping local. And I think you just have to let it. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're all lucky yeah. in this community yeah. in, in Iowa City yeah. in the corridor region to have generally very supportive, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. loyal customers, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, I think that that movement did affect people and so 2014 it just started getting better and Mm -hmm. so um and now you know now all the news is that that nobody can stand e-readers right yeah Yeah. Yeah. we're all on our these damn screens so much yeah having the the print book available is 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 great um so as you look back you kind of mentioned that word luck 
at, at your career and the success of Prairie Lights has been here now, what, 40, 40, 41 years? Yeah, it'd be right? 41 yeah. years in May, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of that would you attribute to luck and how much would you attribute to hard work and skill? Well, I mean, Jim made the choice to start the bookstore in Iowa City. I mean, he had gone to um, undergraduate school here and then he went to law school for one semester and dropped out and um, got drafted and then didn't have to go. He didn't have to go to Vietnam. He was just, you know, lucky. And then he went back to school on the GI Bill, finished all the coursework for a PhD in history in Washington, at Western Washington, couldn't write his dissertation and decided he was going to open a bookstore because mm-hmm. he started working in a bookstore. Okay. And then he decided that it would be here. And, there, and that was just at a moment when there was no independent bookstore here because there's a history of independent bookstores. There was the Epsteins and okay. the Paper Place. And if you read about the you know the ones that preceded Prey Lights. It just so happened here, uh, this place of the famed Iowa Writers Workshop and future City of Literature. Yeah. At that moment in time, there was no wasn't independent, an independent bookstore. bookstore. Huh. And so that was, you know, I mean, that was a combination of luck and thoughtfulness, sure. you know. And um, he was also lucky well it's it's an easy place to find great people to work for you mm-hmm. i mean uh you know right even if you can't find them here at a bookstore where can you find them yeah, right? yeah. i mean you know whenever we have an, an opening coming up we have you know we just ask for resumes and we have a stack of them and we look at them and call people up and they're almost always great that's interesting yeah you, you got a, a stack of qualified <laughs> applicants that's a, that's good yeah yeah and so that's lucky, I would say, that yeah. that's, that's kind of a lucky thing. And, um, uh, but you do have to keep paying attention. That's, that's, that's the hard work part. I mean, there's a lot of work in, in a bookstore. But, oh, um, I can imagine. Um, yeah. I mean, just in terms of physical work. I mean, right. you know, because we get the books delivered every day, and they all have to be unpacked the shelf and, and, yeah. and added into the computer. Mm-hmm. And stickered and put in the right place. Right. And then, you know, you have to make decisions about where you're going to put what. and Merchandising. Mer- yeah. Merchandising. Yeah. And, yeah. And social media is a big, a lot of work. Although I sort of like it. Although I haven't been doing Instagram. And I just thought Instagram would be better. I haven't been able to delegate Instagram very well because I thought Instagram would be better for somebody in their 20s, you know, than me. Right. But I'm not sure that's true, actually. <laughs> so I might have to do it. You never know what yeah. they're going to post, right? <laughs> well, no, they just, they don't seem to... We have a lot of people that our customers post, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jan, I worked with the Iowa City Downtown District for a couple of years and own a neighboring business or a co-owner in a neighboring business, Pullman Bar Diner, next to Prairie Lights. And one of the big reasons why we chose our uh, location was because it was next door to what I consider to be the one of the most, if not the most important retail businesses in in the region, Um, just because of... uh, you know, us being a city of literature and how tied in the literary traditions are to what the city of Iowa City means and what makes it unique and different and an awesome place to be. And just this legacy business and and Prairie Lights. Could you talk a bit about Prairie Lights, the community, kind of your uh, standing within the community as a, as a legacy business and, and just kind of how, how you view Prairie Lights' position in the, in the Iowa City and kind of within the region? Well, I, I do want to say that we love having Pullman next door. <laughs> and we love having the people when they're waiting in line at Pullman come over and shop, which they do all the yeah, time. Right. And um, We love people coming into Pullman with books. It's fun. And I also like to, to sit outside at Pullman and listen to people stand in front of Prairie Lights and talk about it. That's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think, you know, we've always said that, that we are the ones that benefit from the community. I mean, we benefit hugely from being in the community that has now become a city of literature. And and we didn't talk about that earlier, but the, the, the literary scene in Iowa City is hugely expanded since 
since the right. 70s, you know, because the 70s, it was just the writer's workshop, which was still a lot and very mm-hmm. famous. But um, in fact, the first time Prairie Lights was in the New York Times was in 1986 when there was a reunion for the writer's workshop and they came and did a story that okay. included Prairie Lights. But, um, but, but you guys have played a big part of that ecosystem growing as well, in my opinion. And you've had the writer's workshop and you've had all the things that have kind of grown from that. But you guys have kind of been that that home base that well there is this kind of synergy and we're very lucky and mm-hmm. and the and the workshop um is flourishing right now and the um you know so that there's a, a lot of students who graduate and and publish and do well and mm-hmm. and you know it seems like more than ever and and come back and read from their work in the store and so um and but i also like i also like the fact that we can just that we just have a space we're lucky enough to have a space that's large enough that we can um that we can introduce a lot of varying people to each other in the store. Right. Yeah. From play, play in the connector yeah, and those yeah, sort of yeah, uh, collisions yeah, that people yeah, have, you yeah, know, with one another. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. One more question. Then we're, we have uh, some fun uh, rapid fire questions that we like to finish with. We talked a little bit, a lot about what happened uh, in the bookstore industry up until today. If you were to look forward into the next 20, 30 years, what's your prediction for, book selling and independent bookstores. How do you how do you see the industry evolving and how do you see Prairie Lights' place in that industry playing out? I think that I think communities are gonna have to get even more involved with their bookstores than they are. The larger communities. The are, larger our communities. SMIDs and our uh, economic development or organizations. Right. And people right, and right. Okay. I mean there's a big there's a big thing now about, you know, that that bookstores can't afford to be in cities because of rent. Rent. Okay. And so and so, you know, I think it's already happened a couple times. I think it just happened with McNally Jackson in, um, you know, in like Lower East Side, and um, that wealthy people are going to have to buy the spaces right. and and just you know a, a and just pseudo philanthropic yeah yeah thing yeah. like hey I'm going to cap yeah. the rent at this yeah. because yeah. these yeah. are important yeah. cultural yeah. yeah and so that and so because that's going to have to happen it's also going to mean that communities are going to step up and support. Right. And bookstores have become much more community spaces than Absolutely. they were, in the, you know, earlier. Yeah. And that's going to continue. The cafes and yeah, re- yeah, yeah, and yeah. meeting spaces. And yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay, just a few quick questions here as we, as we finish up. Uh, if you had the chance, other than uh, owning an amazing independent bookstore, being a book writer, author, what other profession, other than what you're doing now, would you have liked to attempt? You know, when I was in, when I was in graduate school um, in the workshop, I I did not think I wanted to teach, um, because it was you know it's it was it was intense, and um, and then later on I taught in the summer writing festival for a, a number of years, like probably almost ten years before buying the store from Jim, and so and I loved it, and so I think you know I might have actually mm-hmm. liked it if I'd known it at the time. Awesome teaching, that's great. Uh, you have a, a business leader that you've looked up to. I'm bad at knowing very much about the business world, sadly. No, but right. the, the, they brought the guy here that started Zappos. Oh, um, Tony Shea. Tony Shea. Yeah. He and he, and, you know, he was impressive. Yeah, he's got a yeah. nice philosophy yeah. of culture. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Okay. If you had thirty extra minutes in each day, what would you do with it? I should be going to the gym more, so that's what <laughs> I would do, probably. <laughs> <That's good>. Okay. <laughs> um, how, how about how would you define success if you were to define it? I think I, th- I think success is happiness, and I think that you know human beings generally are happy when they're giving back and and getting their needs met. Mm-hmm. And so, if you can balance those two things, you're successful. Yeah, and yeah, happy. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jan, for taking you're the time. You're welcome. You're welcome. This episode was produced by Joe Coffee of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal. <laughs>